Hey everybody, it is me. It's your old buddy Steve Simonson, and today we're going to go ahead and do another episode of the uh, Awesomers.com podcast series, and this is episode number 178, where I'm going to kind of talk you through the news. And the good news is uh, that news is something that we'll just be able to banter back and forth again. And if we like uh, this kind of format and we we have these ideas, we can do it uh, again and again. Uh, I, I've been really buried with with uh, work and buried with uh, initiatives. In some cases, it's like, how can I put out the city of Rome that is on fire, right? The figurative Rome is burning analogy. You know, we have some businesses that are under, you know, duress at this time. And we have some other businesses that have opportunities at this time. I have no businesses really that are in the heart of the happy land. I don't do supplements or things like that. So as an Amazon seller, as an e-commerce person, as a general entrepreneur, I got a lot of stuff brewing. And the issue uh, at hand for any of us, myself included, is how do we prioritize? How do we make sure that we know what is the right thing to do today? And I'll be honest with you, it varies. Uh, all of these things vary based on, uh, I'll just start with me for just a minute. The, what you need to do or what I need to do is how I kind of view that the lens. And then you can take le whatever lessons you see. Our actions, what we need to do, how the priorities are set, just kind of depend on what our business needs, when we need it, etc. So we're going to talk through a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk about the, the SBA PPP program. We're going to talk about, you know, is this a good idea? How do you access it? What are some of the terms and conditions? And I'm just going to tell you up front, I am not a lawyer. I'm also not an accountant. Uh, what this means is you just take my advice and uh, learn uh, or not learn, uh, as the case may be. I'll, I'll be able to give you some, I think, relatively uh, fair instruction uh, regarding this situation based on our own experiences. Um, so if you have comments, I think, so I'm trying this new thing. We usually use Zoom uh, or Facebook Lives. We're trying the new thing called StreamYard, uh, inspired by Melissa Simonson, who told me about it a, about a month ago, and Danny McMillan, who's been using it uh, religiously. My understanding is to have comments or to access comments, you guys have to click on authorize or something like that in StreamYard. So if you want to have a, a question or you have a comment, you have to do that and feel free to uh, make this interactive. I'm happy to uh, answer questions or, or what have you. So just to get things started, let's just go through some news items because there's things happening all the time. And I'm going to switch to where I can see this view. So we'll start at the top where uh, you've heard about these ideas that uh, sellers, in this case, it's a Spokane seller that's been accused of price gouging. Now, you know, we have to determine what is price gouging. And I've already read this article and you guys can go read it. I'll try to put some links on the website, awesomers.com slash 178. So you guys can go read these at your leisure as well. Uh, but the principle here, let's see if I can lower that down so you can see it. The principle is somebody was selling something for $3.50. They raised the price to $25. And that 600% increase is what they call price gouging. Now, in fairness, the price of what you sell something for is often, or at least in the price gouging laws, which vary state by state and country by country, it's based on what you paid for the product. So if you if you bought it for a nickel and you sold it for you know a quarter, but then in the future it's it now costs you a dollar and you have to sell it for two dollars or you know whatever the markup uh, margin is, that's on its own, not just price gouging. And so I don't know whether this uh, person in Spokane. Uh, is uh, part of the price gouging problem or not. But 
I, I could tell you, for example, in selling masks, and there's a big conversation about masks, both in this article and outside of it, where people are saying, well, you know, hospitals, for example, they're like, well, I used to buy masks for 50 cents each. And, you know, you're trying to sell them to me for $5 each. But the sellers are like, well, you know, the, the guys are over here charging us $4 a mask or five, you know, $4.50 a mask. And then I got to pay for freight and, and so forth to get it over here. So, you know, th that's not price gouging on the face of that particular situation. Uh, by the way, on those who are looking for masks, it's a very complex world to to source masks. We've spent over 200 man hours trying to figure it out and get it right at scale, right? Millions and millions of masks. There are restrictions in China and India about exporting masks. There are restrictions now in the United States about exporting masks. There's not enough production to meet the full demand. So my point on price gouging related to this article is the, the raw materials for the masks have gone up by 90%. The shipping for air freight has gone up between five and 10 times, depending if you have a contract or not. All of these factors are gonna drive the price higher. So the, the hospital who says, well, gosh, I'm used to paying 50 cents, but uh, now I don't, you know, I'm not willing to pay your, your price of $5 or $4 or whatever it is, doesn't mean that you are price gouging. It just means the price went up. That's different than somebody who already had a low cost basis and then, um, you know, raised it for their own benefit. To me, the most egregious versions of that are when people hoard the product, right? And you've read stories about the people back in the East. I remember somebody in Tennessee or whatever. They went around and they went to all the stores and they hoarded the stuff and then they tried to market up. That's also not considered uh, not considered awesome, let's put it that way. And awesomers, my point is not to you know tell you not to make money, but in fact, it's to, to tell you to steer clear of this kind of stuff. My opinion is this is not worth it. Uh, it doesn't create any long-term good business prospects. So the other um, uh, issue at hand is that Amazon keeps extending their warehouse restrictions, right? So the time limit now, it started, it was April 5th, uh, but it's going now by an item by item basis. Uh, and so not only are they pushing back when inbounds can happen based on their perception or their algorithm's perception of how essential your product is. So that can vary between you could send stuff in right now, no problem, it's in high demand, to uh, it's a month out, it's three weeks out, it's whatever. And all of those things are happening at Amazon dynamically. Now, uh, I actually I have talked to various uh, news agencies, very large ones, including New York Times, about this situation. It's not that I love it. Uh, there's some products I can't send in right now, and we're out of stock on it. Uh, and so that means I'm in effect out of business on Amazon for those items. But I can't blame Amazon. I, I understand there's only so many dock doors they have. There's only so much cubic space they have. There's only so many physical workers they have. And they have to prioritize based on the demands. This is a reasonable thing. And even though it doesn't benefit me, we all need to fly up at, you know, at the 60,000-foot view from time to time and go, maybe it's not about me today right? Maybe there's something more important today that we need to be concerned about. Now, if this situation goes on for many, many months, well, I'm going to have big problems. You're going to have big problems, especially if you're not in those essential categories. Now, there's plenty of us, uh, not myself, but plenty of you guys out there, you're selling supplements or vitamins or, I don't know, maybe toilet paper. Uh, those are in pretty good condition. Uh, the, the opportunity for you to sell those is, is still really high, 
And there's many other examples of that too. What, we have one product that is doing pretty well. That's like a, a stand-up desk operation. And even though you might not have considered that like so important, like food or <laughs> the, the ever omnipresent toilet paper, it is in fact something that people are setting up their home offices and so on. So that's a high selling item. So my point on all of this is we're not, we have to be prepared for these restrictions. They're going to be variable. Uh, I'm not hating on Amazon, although I, I am holding Amazon accountable on this level. Amazon has created such a dependence and said, Hey, don't worry about it. We got your FBA. We got your, you know, we'll be your third party logistics center. Don't worry about it. And they, they kind of force us to use it. And they say, you know, well, you're not going to get the prime badge if it's not an FBA. You're not going to be getting the buy box. You're, you know, if you have lower price somewhere else, you're going to lose the buy box. So many of these things have forced it in. And on those things, uh, I do think that that's an anti-competitive behavior. And my friends at Amazon, I know you watch this stuff and occasionally you send me little love notes. I love Amazon 49%. I hate Amazon 49%. It's that 2% that flips around. And on any given day, it can flip around more than one time, I'll be honest with you. So anyway, watch out for these delays. And as one of the, the sliders down below indicated, uh, I won't bore you with that again, but the now it's speculated and, and more or less implied that Amazon Prime Day instead of going in August, will go to a later date. Um, Amazon is also adjusting fees. There's all kinds of things. Um, there's, there's a series of things that are happening in reaction to the, the coronavirus or the COVID-19 crisis. And there's, this is a true crisis. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, you know, the, this is the reason we're going to talk about the loan program, the PPP, and so forth. There's a lot happening that you don't really understand and I don't really understand. And, and by the way, there's no way we can understand it because it changes hour by hour, day by day at times. So anybody who says, I, I understand everything and I'm totally in control. Well, frankly, you're just wrong and uh, it's wishful thinking. Now, that doesn't mean you have to run around and, you know, uh, be worried and, and kind of uh, panicky. But it does mean that we should just step back, have the humility to go, we don't know what's going on. We can only make our best decisions based on the data that we have at hand at any given time. And that data literally changes. It changes, again, sometimes weekly, monthly, but indeed hourly. The, the, in the United States, if you have a U.S. business and you have either employees, true technical employees that meet the, uh, meet the definition of employees, in other words, they're uh, paying the 941 taxes and, and so on and so forth, you have access to claim up to two and a half months of employee wages, benefits, and uh, some other little Scooby snacks in there. And if, by the way, I have friends with hundreds of employees and, you know, they, they can apply for, you know, multi-millions in loans. And these loans are at a low interest rate. Right now, uh, I think it's at 1% is the projection. No loan fees or, or for origination. So the banks aren't getting paid by us, the, the people that lend the money. And if you spend 75% of that money on wages to kind of keep everybody working, keep the rents paid, keep the gas in the car, keep food on the table, that's the purpose of this, then they will potentially uh, waive up to 70 or waive all of that if you do at least 75% in wages. Now, for 1099 contractors, if you get your income as a 1099 independent contractor for all the gig workers and so forth, you can apply for this yourself in about a week. The problem with the, the SBA PPP program 
uh, is that it's limited to $350 billion. <laughs> and even as I say it, it sounds like a lot of money. But uh, for anybody who's trying to keep track, watch this. I'm going to use a prop. For anybody who's tried to get toilet paper, huh? I hit the jackpot today. Everybody see that? Oh, yeah. I'm putting this on Amazon for a million dollars. Uh, it's the Charmin Ultra Soft. Yeah. It's been three months since I was able to buy toilet paper. Uh, luckily, we had enough in stock at the house, but we were getting low. So I, I made a hero's run today to Costco after waiting in line and minding my social distance. I hit the jackpot. The point is, no matter how much toilet paper on the planet there is, it seems to be out everywhere. And that $350 billion would go quick. There are similar programs in the UK and so forth as well, but I'm not an expert. I, some of my partners are dealing with some of that stuff, but I'm not an expert in that, and nor should I say I'm an expert at the PPP. I just know that it is accessible to you. And for those, we, we can't claim 1099 workers. Uh, well, that's not in something like it. So if you're paying a bunch of people as 1099 workers, you can't claim them and get a loan on that. Um, and I, I want to reinforce this point. Uh, just for the sake of argument, let's say you, you pay $10,000 a month in statutory employee wages. Uh, that Again, that means your proper wages, taxes are being submitted and, and tracked and so forth. You can claim two and a half months of that. So let's say that's $25,000 and you can get a loan for 1% interest over two years. And if as long as you follow the procedures, which is pay 75% of that money towards the same people or the same wage uh, amount for the next several months, I think through the end of this year, it's got to stay level. Then they're going to just forgive the entire note. It's, and I think the payments are even deferred for six months or something. So, you know, do I, I've never one day gone to declare unemployment uh, insurance. Uh, I'm not sure I was ever eligible. I never have been out of a job per se, but uh I've also never applied for any other kind of assistance, but this is different in my view. A, because I paid so much money in, it'd be nice to get a little Scooby snack back. But two, anybody could have just a little extra buffer, a little two and a half months of payroll to help our people. Let's keep them employed. Let's make sure that they feel safe and that we do our very best to you know, help everybody. And this is really you know, the ultimate of trickle-down economics. I'm not going to get uh, into the politics of it all, but the trickle-down economics, if if we pay and we keep paying uh, wages, that is important, and that is something that, that we must uh, consider. Now, I'm going to switch me to the stream and remove that from the stream, pretend like I've got a studio going. And I've got a, uh, a question here from somebody. It says, Steve, I got a policy warning from Amazon for an older ASIN in a non-compliant variation for some reason, furniture. Um, for instance, we had a shoe rack, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hopefully, I'm not ticking whoever this is off by putting this on the screen. With changes, more confusing. So I can't even read the whole thing. So this is, I'm doing this live, so my apologies. I'll try to get to your question uh, as best I can uh, once I can read the whole thing, but I can't see it. Um, let's see, we've got... Uh, Andy, who jumped in here, says, what do you think about the state AGs who just enacted laws in March uh, when there were no price? I think state AGs are just doing this for political reasons. So I should have mentioned this in the price gouging. There are some people who are who bought stuff for a buck and they're trying to sell it for 10 or 20 bucks. That is price gouging. Like if you're think of the, the gas station, when the prices go up that they buy at wholesale, their prices go up. When they go down, they go down. 
And that is the ultimate place you can check for price gouging. Now, airlines price gouge all the time based on supply and demand, but it should be based on your cost. So my advice to you is whatever you're buying it for, if there's a market at a reasonable markup, and by the way, reasonable doesn't mean you're doing this for free. We're not all, we can't be philanthropists forever. Uh, if your price goes up, then you have to charge more. I think the state AGs and anybody else, any politician, even the news people talking about this are doing it for their own political, narcissistic, idiotic reasons, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, hopefully that was uh, clear enough. Uh, I love this. Uh, Jim, uh, my good buddy, he's going to use stream uh, StreamYard potentially to sell merch uh, live from his stores, which I think is very, very smart indeed. There's going to be a lot of different ways to use technology to reach your audiences. You know, we're used to doing live events and having masterminds, you know, very high end exclusive masterminds where, you know, it's 25,000 bucks a year. It's, it's over $6,000 per time you attend. And we're going to move those to, to virtual, right? Because we just don't have the capacity to travel. And here's a quick news note, an Amazon seller news note. Uh, JetBlue is burning $10 million a, a day in cash. They're just a little guy. Uh, but they're burning $10 million a day in cash because their flights have gone from 100 or their passenger count from 120,000 passengers a day to 7,000 passengers a day. For those doing the math at home, that's 95% roughly reduction in passenger traffic. So this is a reality that's happening. And, uh, you know, United Airlines, for example, losing $100 million a day. This can't go on forever. And there's, there's no government ever big enough to bail us out uh, forever, right? This is one thing that we should not be unrealistic. No government, doesn't matter how good, doesn't matter the political system. If the government can just pay all the businesses or bail them out or pay all the workers, then you know why would we ever have jobs? We just have to get money from the government. Where's the government get the money? They get the money from us. So this, this is a limited situation. And I just want to have a word kind of on the some of the COVID fallout. So I did a podcast with Seller Sessions, my good buddy Danny McMillan, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, Paul Raffleson was on there and a, and a bunch of really great guys. And, and I've done other subsequent podcasts on awesomers.com where I've said, hey, here's what's coming. Pain's coming. Unemployment's coming uh, on a staggering scale. And it really is, you know, unprecedented on that level. And all you have to do is drive through your local, you know, kind of uh, what do they call it? strip mall kind of ideas, right? Maybe the grocery store is operational, but all those little things from the chiropractor to the, the nail salon to the, you know, right up and down the line. There might be a few restaurants that are now takeout only, but all those people are losing their jobs. They don't have disposable income necessarily. Uh, you know, again, they won't forever. Right now they can claim unemployment and that's been extended a few years. But there's just a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion. And so my point is there's going to be more of this. The, the layoffs are not nearly done. Uh, there's going to be a lot more of that. And all of this, the reason I'm even talking about this stuff, we talk about the news not because we tried to be enamored with newscasts. In fact, I don't watch news. I just I kind of see what is relevant to me. Uh, but I need to forecast where things are going. When we play chess, we got to be multiple moves ahead. Uh, in the middle of January – uh, Andy Slams and I talked about the fact that, hey, we're not going to China. We're not taking anybody to China because this thing is very, very serious and we have no idea where it's going. And that's at the time where China was specifically saying it's not serious. We're really mad about this travel ban. There's no reason to have a travel ban against China. 
or anybody who was in China for the prior 30 days, at some point they got whacked uh, from coming into the United States. They were kind of banned on that level. If you're a citizen, you could still come in. And, and everybody was up in arms about it. Uh, there's lots of headlines. Oh, this is so unfair and it's so political and blah, blah, blah. And then now, of course, China is uh, coming back and saying, oh, guess what, uh, China? Or guess what, the world? You can't come in either, right? And so China has, in fact, delayed the spring edition of the Canton Fair from April um, at, until May, which, again, is wishful thinking. Who can go to it? They just banned foreign flights for the most part coming in. All of this stream of consciousness here, I hope some of this is additive for you guys, but all of this is my way of saying there's a lot of moving pieces on the board. We have to be conscious of what's happening, and then we need to predict what that impact is on our individual businesses, right? We don't have to be responsible for bailing out United Airlines or you know, figuring out how uh, the cruise lines are going to get back in business. None of that matters to us. We need to figure out what products am I offering to consumers and how will that help them today? Is it something, you know, can I pivot or is my current product being marketed in a way that helps customers solve problems, right? This is a big deal, by the way, not just helps ourselves. It helps customers solve problems. And that's what they're going to prioritize. They are not buying fashion items right now. And as I like to say, the, uh, the sales for bejeweled avocado slicers is probably at all-time low. But there's plenty of other things that solve problems. I mentioned the, the stand-up desks uh, earlier. And if anybody wants one of those, uh, just fire me an email. We'll give you a super discount code. Uh, where We don't care about making money on it. We just want to have people who need um, relief for their back. And, you know, it's, it's really good to stand up. Uh, I'm happy to make homes for those if you need them. So my whole point is how can you pivot? What products can you select? How can you even change your marketing on an existing product to make sure that you're communicating how you solve the problem? And a lot of this goes back to kind of marketing 101. Why did you bring the product in the first place? Is it differentiated? Is there a way to incrementally enhance it or change it to, to help a customer solve a problem, especially if the problem is kind of newly known. So what do I mean by a newly known problem? Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah, I think it is. So what do I mean by a newly known problem? The answer is the problem may have existed before, but nobody ever knew to do anything about it. So for example, if you go into a grocery store or Costco or whatever, and you notice they've got a new pane of glass between the teller and us. So the problem of apparently breathing out these little uh, droplets, uh, that's always existed, but now we're all afraid of everybody else's droplets. <laughs> We've been breathing at each other's droplets for all this time, but now they put a pane of glass there because it's a newly known problem and they want to do everything they can to, to put a stop to it. And, you know, even in lines at grocery stores and Costco and, and the like, they're putting barriers, you know, they're saying, Hey, social distancing, you know, try to try to back up a little bit. Uh, from each other, which is just, it's a newly known problem. And we don't even know the full recourse of these problems. You know, they, they scan the, the, you know, your card, so you don't have to touch the card. Uh, so they don't have to touch the card, I suppose, but they're still managing all the groceries that you touch to put in the, the cart. So, you know, everybody's learning, everybody's doing what they can. And my point is you should be learning. You should do what you can. And most of all, you have to make sure that you commit some time to yourself to think. Just think. 
this this idea that you have to be hustling all day, twenty four seven, and is is such a tactical way of thinking. And uh, I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about this, and and for for two years he said nothing but hustle and grind. And if you're not killing yourself, you're not going to be successful, and you're not going to live a fulfilling life. In the past six months, he's kind of said, well let's make the life worth living too. And I think that's a proper evolution of, of the thinking, which is to say, we work hard, we grind when we when we need to be on point, but that doesn't mean you kill yourself unnecessarily. That doesn't mean that you apply yourself to tasks that don't need to be done by you forever. I, I love entrepreneurs because we're always like, uh, nobody can do the job as, as good as I can do it. So we take on things that we should let other people do. When, you, when the task first comes up and we don't even know how to deal with it, then yes, we should pioneer that to some extent. Unless we have somebody on the team who can be the pioneer. I have several numbers of pioneers on my teams. And we say, well, here's the problem. Go find us a solution, document it, and make it a system. That's how you need to think about your business too. I want you guys to be system-minded thinkers. I want you to be strategic thinkers. And this is why I say spend some time. Maybe it's the first hour of the day or, you know, you do your morning routine and then you just set aside an hour. Don't check email. Don't check text. Don't check Facebook. And just say, you know, you start with your to-do list or whatever you, however your routine is, but then just think for an hour, you know, or whatever length of time is appropriate for you about, you know, what does this look like in three months? You know, what happens if my customers uh, need more product than I can deliver? Should I add more factories? What happens if, you know, I lose this factory. So we've had vendors going out of business. Luckily, nobody's strategic yet, uh, but I'll give you an example. So we have uh, a couple of photo studios in China that simoglobal.com has photo engagements where my China team manages tons and tons of photos, more photos you can imagine for our products made in China or Asia in general. We shoot the product, we get it all done. And I think we've opened that service up for, for fellow Amazon sellers and entrepreneurs like 180, 190 bucks, you get nine high resolution, white background, perfect Amazon images. Um, and so we've opened that up and we had a, a few studios kind of busy doing that. Well, one of the studios, by the way, the least expensive one, unfortunately, they went out of business and our costs just keep going higher and higher and higher for this, even inside of China. So that vendor's gone. Um, we had another vendor and we're, this is a, a, a company that does around 400 containers a month in their total factory export volume. And we're, we're a big customer to them, maybe representing around 5% of their business. So you can do the math on the container count there. So 5% may not sound like a lot because there's 95% of the other customers base out there, but for one to be kind of in that, it's a reasonable size customer. And this is not bragging, by the way. This is trying to set up a, a, a point. So when they were in full production, we got everything shipped before Chinese New Year. We're high five and everybody's, you know, really um, happy that we, you know, pulled it off. And then they go uh, to sleep for Chinese New Year. And then, of course, Chinese New Year had a bonus of the, you know, the coronavirus shutdown. And then they started coming back at the beginning of March. And my team is managing this and we're in contact with all the factories and we're, we're, we're talking and we're making sure that everybody understands what's up. So everybody's coming back to work. And then maybe it's a week ago, we get word from them. Well, one of my people sussed out that it's like, uh, they're shutting down the factory again. 
And we're like, why are they shutting down the factory? It's basically nearly the beginning of April. They've only been back for 30 days. What's the problem? And it turns out the problem is not workers. They have enough workers to carry around. It's not raw materials. They have the raw materials. It's the fact that the EU and the US and Canada and Australia and all of the Western countries where this, this virus is now hitting, are they're all canceling the orders. They're all just um, basically saying, don't send us the stuff. We, you know, everything's chaos over here. Everything's shut down. We, we don't know anything. We don't have any money, you know, canceling everything. So the factory just got nervous and said, well, we're going to shut down again. We can't burn money every day. And we had to go basically uh, work with them and, and let them know, uh, first, we haven't canceled any orders and we're not canceling our orders. Let's be clear about that. Uh, secondly, we may actually expand the business during this time and expand that capacity because when everybody else is contracting, if we can at least make a move to, to get more mind share, to get more production, that will, assuming we come out on the other side of this uh, in a positive way, and I know that we will, we're going to be in a, a terrific position be, to take more market share. And listen, for better or worse, there's going to be a lot of consolidation. The weak players, you know, there's old saying when the when the tide rises, everybody goes up and everybody looks like a genius, right? Stock market's going up. Everybody's an expert trader. Bitcoin's going up. Oh, everybody's a, uh, you know, cyber. Uh, what is that? Cryptocurrency expert. Uh, I'll tell you a crypto story here in a minute, by the way. But then once everything goes down, all of the weak are gone, right? The, the boats hit the rocks. If we stay with that analogy, when the tide goes out. And, and they're devastated. And obviously, we've seen what's happened in the crypto world. And in this world that we're living in, we're going to see you know 20, maybe 30% of our competitors in certain categories disappear because they were already struggling or already weaker than they, they should have been. Now, this is a, just a cold reality of, of being in business. I, I'm not the one putting them out of business. It's just the reality of what's happening. Uh, so in some cases, we're going to be able to expand the businesses and help not just ourselves, but our employees, our customers, and so forth uh, around the world, wherever they may be. So this is a time to, uh, you know, be rational, right? And be um, thoughtful about what you're going to do, but it's also a time to act. And I don't want you guys to be so scared about doing stuff that you stop thinking, that you stop proactively uh, considering your strategic options. Today, uh, and I have friends in this category, so I say this delicately. But you know, if you're trying to launch a travel brand right now, maybe it's time to pump the brakes on that thing, right? I I can tell you that's going to be a tough sell at the moment. Um, on the other hand, if you're saying, "Well, I want to launch a brand that's not in the heart," like don't try to sell masks, uh, don't try to sell, um, you know, the hand sanitizer kind of stuff. Uh, but if you're selling things that have value and have some sort of halo effect from the, the new known information, uh, you have upside potential. And I, I'll give you some other examples of that later. Um, all right. So here's a quick example on cryptocurrency, by the way. So a couple of years ago, I'm at a uh, conference. I won't say which one because it wasn't their fault. But the, the speaker stands up and he's like, oh, I've made you know $9 million this year on crypto. He thinks he's a genius. And by the way, he didn't have any problem telling us he was a genius either. Uh, and he actually, now that I think about it, you know, that Tiger King guy, this is a, the Tiger King guy of cryptocurrency. He was just kind of a, a real, you know, narcissistic nutty guy. Although I don't know that he's recorded any music videos using somebody else's voice like the Tiger King, but this guy, let me just say he was, he was larger than life and 
nobody could be smarter than him. And he literally was on stage in front of nearly 2,000 people saying, sell your house, get loans, get anything you can get and get that Bitcoin because it's at 20 grand a share now or 18,000 a token now. Uh, and it's going to 60,000 within three months, six months. And of course, we all know the truth. It's, it's all crashed and so forth. But that guy was giving the worst possible advice. You know, can you imagine if somebody went and refinanced their house and then, you know, literally weeks later, the, the you know, the thing has lost 70% of its value. So be prudent about your choices. I'm not saying don't act and not even saying don't take some risks, but manage that risk. Uh, so, you know, be thoughtful, but then don't forget to take action. And I will tell you, uh, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that Amazon is likely going to push back Prime Day. You need to think about not just Prime Day and what that means and what are the opportunities at Prime Day, but you got to think about Christmas because all of these factories and there's there's going to be a whole bunch of things happening. I think in the next several months, we're going to come through this and it's going to be better. And I can say no matter what the timeline is, I, that's really hard to to for me to forecast. I'm not an expert by any stretch, but just, you know, that's the gut feel. No matter what, we will come through it and we'll be okay. And there'll be some pain and there's going to be some, you know, annoyance along the way. But those who persevere, and that's the, the hallmark of a good entrepreneur, is our ability to just kind of push through it and persevere and just keep going. Those of us who carry on, and as I like to, you know, do the old Churchill quote, keep calm and carry on, we're going to be okay. Uh, there, we're going to take some hits, right? Maybe we're not as profitable or maybe we're not profitable at all, but the survivors will survive and we'll carry on and we'll come through the other side. And no matter what, we have to maintain that mentality. And, and I think that's an important thing for us all to just kind of level set on and just don't get, uh, you know, I have some friends and they're, they're just filled with anxiety and they're, they just give me a list of worries for every solution I have. They have another problem to show me why that solution is not practical. And, you know, maybe they're even right about it, but it doesn't matter. You can't control it. So just uh, buckle up for the ride. So, all right, let me see if there's any other news items on here that I care to share before I uh, share my screen. Gouging, blah, blah, blah. Uh, by the way, I've been asked by at least a dozen people in the last few days about sourcing masks in China. And as I said earlier in the broadcast, it's too tough. Uh, we have experts. We have access. We have the list of all of the factories in China who are authorized to, to sell and export masks. Many of the biggest ones, by the way, are not allowed to export their masks. Uh, we have all the FDA certifications. We know how to do all that stuff. But with the combination of China, you don't know if Customs going to let them out because, again, things are changing day by day. The problem with money, who's paying who and when? Because you know the guys at the end who are buying the masks, and I'm talking about a million masks, five million masks. We have we have giant you know governments and organizations trying to trying to have us uh, help them uh, buy masks with my Simo Global company. It's just very very tough. And so all the people that are asking me for help, I I can't help you. It's we don't have it figured out. It's very difficult, and I highly would stay. I recommend staying away from that category. It's uh, it's too risky, and you don't know what you're doing. And ultimately, all of that business is going to, you know, go back to the places that already had the business, like 3M and so forth, as their production uh, globally is uh, adjusted. And you see, countries now want to be mask independent, right? You hear in the past about oil independence. 
well, France is like, we're going to be mask independent within, you know, a few months. And they're getting, you know, fashion guys who can't sell fashion right now. They're getting them to make masks and other things. So I've actually looked into buying production lines to make the masks ourselves. Uh, you know, we have the capacity, we have the, the knowledge, and we have the, you know, various teams. So we could actually deploy multiple production lines. And we know the prices of the production lines. The problem is then getting the raw materials and the fact that the raw materials are up by 90% and that there's not enough planes flying in the sky. So cargo rates are outrageous. There's just too much and too much risk. And since I don't have enough experience in that particular category, we just can't, we can't dive in any deeper. Uh, that is not to say, by the way, that we're not looking at adjacent items to, to help these new known problems. So we talked about this a little earlier. Now that we're aware of this, what do you think is going to happen at the at the grocery stores that have the buffet area? Are they going to right? Have you noticed they they've closed the salad bars, they've closed the little anti pasta you know olive stations and so forth because they don't want everybody touching the utensils and so forth. So what does that mean? How's that going to change things? Uh, how about a daycare? Uh, all these kids come in and they put their backpacks, they put their shoes. What changes, if any, are going to be made to that? Schools, uh, colleges, businesses, you know, there's there's phones, there's there's all this stuff we bring around. How is this going to change and what do you need to do about it? Uh, these are all questions I think that are reasonable to ask because it's now known information that this, you know, germs and these viruses are, you know, at this point, highly contagious. And until there's some sort of cure or treatment, I think everybody's going to be changing how they deal with you know sanitation and hygiene and things like that so think along those lines if it's relevant to you uh it can be helpful i believe and i think you'll have the opportunity to um you know at least learn about that business and see if it's worthwhile to you so let me just i'm going to share this screen again and we'll just see if there's any other um amazon news here that i'm interested in mostly just just uh price gouging nonsense. Again, that's all just political stage and political theater. The only ones who win are the politicians who are out there like, I'm taking a stand against price gouging, right? Well, who's going to get up there and go, oh, no, don't do that. Let everybody gouge, right? That It's <laughs> it's just, you know, like I'm against, you know, child trafficking. Who's going to say, uh, you know, you're against, you know, no, I'm for child trafficking, right? By the way, don't edit this and take it out of context. <laughs> I am against child trafficking. Uh, I prefer them to work in my factories. Ooh, huh? you see what I did there? I went both ways on it. No, the, the point is all of these narcissistic politicians will say whatever they want. They'll have the sound bites that they'll play it back during their campaign speeches and they won't necessarily even do a dang thing about it. Uh, by the way, there was a situation uh, recently where Amazon has been sued uh, for uh, monopolistic behavior by one of the largest firms, uh, Higgins Berman. And basically saying, hey, here's how you're manipulating the market. Now, I, I, I my friend Bernie uh, mentioned this to me again, and I had posted about it a few weeks ago. The timing is not a beautiful thing. And the FTC investigation about anti-competitive behaviors ongoing, the timing ain't great because we're in a, a crisis. But this is the point of just sitting down and thinking, you know, for whatever the time is you can per day. I actually set up big blocks of time during the week to just think. And sometimes I give myself, you know, the topic at hand, like we've had this problem. What are we going to do about it? And other times it's just free flowing. I, I decide, you know, how's this business doing or how, how's this you know, team doing? What are the results that I, 
get my reports, uh, you know, and, and how do I think about those? So I'll, I'll just give you an example as long as we're stream of consciousness here. On Mondays, I will typically do a lot of back-to-back -back team meetings. I've reduced them somewhat so I have more time to think right now, I'll be honest with you. But often Mondays, certainly in the past, could be just 12 hours of meeting with the teams who are leading the different businesses that I'm either invested in or own or operating in some capacity. And so that means I get all of my KPIs. I get all the information I need, you know, that one time per week. So on Mondays, it's all data coming in, right? It's the old Johnny Five, need input, right? So all of my input's coming in on Mondays. And then I need some time to, you know, I do some live back and forth questions as we can with the team, but sometimes I just need time to digest it. So the first half of Tuesday is kind of uh, follow on meetings that are like action steps. Like I heard you guys say this on the Monday meeting and it's caused me, you know, urgency and concern. Let's talk about it straight away. So I'll book the first half of Tuesday uh, doing that. And then the last half of Tuesday is to review the KPIs in more detail. Often you'll, you'll get a, a clue and somebody will say, Hey, the margins down. I'll take this off since I'm uh, uh, vamping about my schedule and, and blocking time and so forth. Often you'll get a, a indication like, hey, the margin's down. Why is that? Why why is the gross margin down? Um, did shipping costs go up? Is there some other thing? And and so it starts with, are we calculating it right? You know, you gotta you gotta question the data source. Are we even doing this right? Or did somebody make a mistake somewhere? And then assuming you can validate the data source that are being accurate, then you have to find the culprit. And you know, there a lot of these things that we use, like revenue and margin, are trailing indicators. You see the result, the trailing part of that. You don't see the predictive side of that. You, you know, you didn't know what caused it, so you have to kind of backtrack. You become a, de a detective. So Monday is a blocked out for the team meetings, kind of live in person. We, we'll do the, the Zoom conferences and so forth. And then Tuesday, first half is follow-ups with executives. It could be 15 minutes, it could be an hour, just whatever we need to, to dive in on anything that was sussed out that was urgent. Then the last half of the day, I dive into the numbers and try to figure out what indicators, what KPIs are going the wrong way. Or I shouldn't even say the wrong way. What KPIs are worth my attention? Sometimes there's good news. <laughs> How about that? Sometimes you're like, hey, what the heck's going on here? And I'll give you a crisis example. So we're in the COVID crisis, I'll try to give you an example. I mentioned this recently, but most of you probably didn't know this. So on September 11, 2001, uh, we all, you know, uh, experienced a, a terrorist shock, right? And that was a, a terrible day. But one of the things that we noticed is one of our, our servers, we had a, a company at the time uh, called Corner Hardware, and it, it just started going nuts. And we're like, why, why is this thing going nuts? And then we looked and everybody's buying this one product. And it turned out they were buying these American flags. Well, we didn't know that CNN found that we had American flags in stock. And from the time they put it online, we sold out all those flags in minutes. I mean, mere minutes. And then, of course, they ran that story for the, the next you know 18 hours. The, the same thing kind of repeats. But we were out three minutes after they, they mentioned it. You know, I don't remember if it was hundreds or thousands or what, what, how many flags. And we couldn't get it anymore because everybody went out. It's kind of like the toilet paper problem of today. And for those just joining us now, I hit the jackpot, everybody. Toilet paper day. Woo! I'm back in business. And uh, each roll I'm selling for $200 uh, just so I can get on board with the gouging uh, movement. So 
Uh, anyway, the point is sometimes the news can be good, right? There's a lot of sales, but why did it happen? What's the source of this? And there's lots of reasons that this is important. If you find your sales are up, maybe you need to you know, reconsider your inventory positions. If you're staging your warehouse, uh, your bulk inventory at a third-party warehouse, maybe you need to send in orders sooner than normal. So your, your point is, or my point, is that you look for anomalies. You look th for things that are out of pattern. If everything's within pattern, you don't need to get yourself involved and certainly try not to micromanage your, your business and your team. Uh, you should be looking for those anomalies. So then, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays are largely set up for uh, strategery, I like to think of it. So sometimes it's blocking of thinking time and uh, evaluation time, and sometimes it's further follow-up on major initiatives. Uh, for example, this week, uh, product savants. Uh, Kevin King and I have been working a lot on productsavants.com. There's a lot of things happening there. And it took a lot of my time uh, during the, the week. And I'm, I'm talking about you know, 12, 18 hours a day and the time of my team and so forth. So sometimes you just got to be flexible. And for me, having time blocked throughout the week makes me very, very flexible. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I usually won't book anything specific so that is flex time. I can spend the time with the kids. I can uh, hang out, uh, go out, whatever you're going to do. Right now, everybody's staying in, so that's life. But I And sometimes I'll work on those days, right? Today's uh, a Saturday. I'm, I'm kind of working today. I've already done a bunch of work this morning, and I will continue some of that work just because it's a good opportunity to, to get some work done. But that it also doesn't mean that you have to grind yourself down to a little uh, – nub, right? I, at one point last night, it was late. I've been working, you know, 16 hours. I just, my brain was checking out. You could just kind of feel where you're not at your best. And so I went and I started streaming uh, some uh, Netflix or some Hulu or whatever it is. And just, you know, I, I was done. My brain was, was, was finished. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I'm somehow going to lose the battle or, or, you know, this, I don't know. It, it's almost like, uh, uh, entrepreneur shaming, right? Oh, if you're not hustling, if you're playing a game or you're watching TV, you know, you're dumb, you're, you're going to lose. And I'll just tell you, there's limits. Everybody's got limits. I certainly have mine. Maybe you don't have uh, limits, but I got my limits. And so I recommend know your limits, be thoughtful about how you set up your schedule. And please, I'm begging you, give yourself some time for strategic thinking. Your number one job as a CEO is strategic thinking, making those decisions. Where are we going? And then you should get yourself and your team around, all right, now how are we going to get there? But you start first with you know where you're going and why you're going there, and then you figure out the how later. Um, and that's where, a, again, a team comes in really handy. So, all right, I will. Uh, I can't tell if there's any questions. So if you guys uh, are in the comments or you have something you want to share, uh, feel free to get it in there. I can't. Some people are like they said hi. I say hi back, but I it just says Facebook users. I don't know your name. So. Uh, my apologies. Um, and I'm going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But if you do have questions, whether it's about selling on Amazon, whether it's about the, you know, the COVID stuff, uh, it can be about Tiger King. I'm now an expert on Tiger King. And uh, <laughs> that was a, certainly a guilty pleasure. Um, that, boy, very few of those characters really were somebody I want to go hang out with. I'll be honest with you. There were a few. Uh, but it's a it's a crazy show. And my friends who pointed me in that direction, uh, I curse you for, <laughs> for the time invested. But I, I'm also delighted somewhat uh, as well. So uh, now's the time for questions, everybody. I, I hope that you found some value in here. 
this is, you know, this is not tactical level knowledge. We're just, we're talking a little bit about the news. We're doing a little bit of stream of consciousness, but I try to share some of the things that I think about some of the reasons why I think about them. And I hope it's valuable to you. And for those who want to see a playback of this or whatever, uh, we're going to post it on awesomers.com slash 178. That's awesomers.com podcast series slash 178. And if you haven't, you go there. You could subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can listen to the audio version. And there's often video versions on YouTube or other places. You can subscribe stuff there. Uh, but when we see the subscribes, when we see the reviews, that gives us the incentive to do more of this uh, because all of that's done for free, right? There's, I don't do any personal affiliate stuff. Anything I do, any links I share, any resources I share, those go to the benefit of the Empowery e-commerce cooperative. Uh, oh, I see somebody says a new comment. Let me just see what it says. Uh, <laughs> all right, so here's uh, one of my ding-dong brothers. Uh Dennis says, as someone who hasn't watched Tiger King, what should I know about it? <laughs> um, well, I'll just put it to you this way because I'm not going to do any spoilers. The reality is you don't need to know anything except it's um, the ultimate in binge-worthy train wreck TV. Uh, there, this whole underworld that it uh, focuses its story around is shocking in so many ways. And there's lots of, um, I don't know, crazy things uh, in that. Uh, but I don't want to give anything away. It's There's many parts of it that were not anything other than kind of sad, I'll be honest with you. But it is, it's a, just a shot of Americana that I would have never expected. I never knew anything about it. And for those, this is not a spoiler per se, but uh, for <laughs> some of the characters like Carol Baskin, right? Carol effing Baskin. Uh, she didn't come out so good in the thing. And uh, other people came out a little better than her. So uh, that is the question. And let's see. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I definitely know uh, this is the hot topic of the day. And she does. Kimberly doesn't have a question about Tiger King, except the ultimate questions about WTF and why. And uh, I understand that. I can understand that <laughs> because I still, even as I was watching it and then went on to the next episode, I'm still like, why? But there's something about the way these things are done that cause you to just kind of keep going. And by the way, here is a very thoughtful documentary that I have always recommended, and it's called The Push. So go to Netflix. I think it's a Netflix exclusive. It's called The Push. And basically – for any marketeer, for anybody who under, needs to understand human psychology, the push is one of the most compelling things that I have ever watched. And the, the tagline is, can we make a regular person like you commit murder in 90 minutes? You know, tune in 11. Uh, so it is really, really interesting. If you've never seen the push, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's fascinating stuff. And it tells you a lot about humans. And we're all in the business. If you are an entrepreneur, you're selling to humans. You need to have some understanding of human psychology, how they get through their decision-making process, not to manipulate them, by the way, not to manipulate them, but so that you can understand. And by the way, we're not trying to uh, commit any murders here either. That's just the extreme of with the right signals. Can you actually get somebody to do that? So I'm not pro-murder, just to be clear. As I said, I like to keep people working in factories. Okay, here's a very good question, Kimberly. You're right on the money. So Kimberly, by the way, uh, went to China with us before. So back in 2019 BC, and uh, I've recoined the BC because that's before Corona. 
And she knows that I took my kids to Disneyland in Hong Kong, took them to Disney in Shanghai. And those have been closed since uh, January. And the rest of the Disney's closed in early March, I believe it was. And the answer, nobody knows this answer. And at first, when Disney closed everything, like, don't worry, everybody gets paid. And earlier this week, it may have even been yesterday, they're like, uh, just so you know, all non-essential people are getting laid off and all executives are taking a pay cut. And and I know there's a bunch of people out there that are like, oh, they're a big multi-billion dollar company. They have all this money. Uh, why would they do such things? You know, why, why don't they just pay people out of the goodness of their hearts? And I've said this on prior podcasts. You guys can go to awesomers.com slash podcast and you can see uh, a lot of uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus stuff going back to January where basically the big picture is if you don't have revenue coming in, whether you're a big company or a little company or a government, eventually you'll run out. Uh, everybody will run out. So you have to figure out how to make sure that your overhead is aligned with your income. I know this sounds basic. And and again, everybody, you know, I heard somebody lecturing somebody in the Costco line today about where's the philanthropy of Instacart? Where's it? It's like philanthropy has its limits. You have to have it to give it. And if nothing's coming in the top, nothing ain't coming out the bottom. Uh, how's that for some uh, Tiger King level linguistics? Um, and Kimberly then goes on to say, life will be okay. This is when you'll know when Disneyland reopens, life will be okay. That's a good point. I look forward to it. I love Disneyland. My kids and I have been to every Disneyland around the world except Japan. And we were going to go to Japan in May of this year and experience that, that Disneyland as well. But uh, those plans are on hold because – and by the way, when I saw in whatever it was, mid-January, 17th, 20th, whatever, when they said we're closing Disneyland and we're closing the Great Wall and we're closing 70,000 movie theaters, this is when I said, I don't care what China is saying. I'm watching what they're doing. And they're doing things that are crazy in terms of economic, un, uh, unprecedented economic actions. And and people kept quoting me the flu. They're like, oh, the flu kills a, you know, bah, 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 uh, per year. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm not here to talk about medical stuff or facts. Um, I'm here to ask the question of why is this happening? And, you know, what does it mean for the future? Like, why would a government make that decision if they didn't think this was a threat? On January 15th, they said there's no human to human ability to pass this thing. So that means, you know, that the position in January 15th, of the who and the Chinese government was there is no airborne transmission. There is no, well, first it said no human transmission, human to human transmission, which implied that all of those people in Wuhan and Hebei were eating the bat soup or whatever. Then they said, yeah, there's limited, uh, limited uh, human to human, but it really, it takes, you know, kissing or, you know, really significant kind of uh, human to human contact. And then later, of course, it comes out that, Oh, Hey, it's an aerosol. It's a droplet. Um, it, not even a sneeze. It can just be breathing. And those little droplets carry on and live forever. But uh, I agree with you, Kimberly. It'll be better um, when Disney is open. So Dennis says he's considering ordering more inventory in the next two months. Do you think this bubble of Amazon orders re will reduce significantly after the recovery? So that varies based on product category. Um, there's, there's a lot of different factors involved with this. But uh, in some cases, yes, the bubble will go down, but it depends on how significant. So I'll give you an example. Uh, for all the people hoarding toilet paper, and again, this just in, huh? ultra soft, baby, 30 rolls. Uh, I don't even know how much it costs. I didn't care. I was so thrilled to get it after three months. 
Uh, we luckily, we're, we're down to our last plies. We were separating the plies manually here at home to stay in business. Not really. We, we understand we have showers and options and, uh, and actually other stuff. But uh, when everybody who's hoarded that hasn't used it, they haven't consumed it. And so one of the points is, if everybody thinks that the, the toilet paper trajectory is going to carry on forever, they're insane because you can only use, we have the same number of humans. They're going to use that consumed over a certain rate of time. Same thing goes for food. For all these people hoarding all this food, they probably aren't really changing their consumption habits. Now, other products, the consumption habit actually is changing. So uh, let's call it the Clorox wipes, right? Everybody's now, oh, I'm cleaning everything, right? Before they're like, ah, you know, I'm cleaning nothing. Now they're cleaning everything. That that probably will have a spike, but the new baseline will probably be higher uh, because this is new known information, and that means people are going to change some behavior. So there's products like that. There are other products that are like, I need to get my home office in order. Right? I'm setting up my house so I can be a remote worker. If there could be things that are singular to that time period, that will be just a big, you know, upside down V spike. Um, but the reality, as I see it, is a lot of products are experiencing uh, an increase based sometimes on inventory availability. Your competitor ran out of stock. They got jammed up at, during Chinese New Year. Then they extended slowdown. And so if you can rank, if you can be on the page and get business now, you're far, position, you're far better positioned to have your baseline, your old baseline, be much lower than your new baseline, even when the, the bell curve comes down, if, if it comes down. Uh, so... As a market category, in the individual categories, that bell curve will definitely come back down. But you as an individual seller could have your baseline be so much higher that it, it, doesn't, it feels like you're still going up. I hope that makes sense. Uh, now, I've got a, an anonymous Facebook user uh, that says, I'm just holding position, 90% down, but 10% is keeping me going. Hey, listen, you are not alone, Facebook user. Uh, I don't know who you are, but I tell you this, you're not alone. There's plenty of things. We have some products that are absolutely being devastated right now and are virtually unsellable. And some of our biggest customers like TJ Maxx and so forth, not only did they close their stores, but they've closed their online too. Why do they close their online? I have no idea. Um, so that is devastating for us and it, it's, it's not ideal, but we're keeping going just like you. We're keeping going. Uh, okay, and we've got another. Let's see here. Bear with me. Okay, I got some. Can't see what this. Uh, now here we have a special guest, Facebook user. They've been to Tokyo, Florida, Tokyo Disneyland, I suppose, and it's fun. I love it. I bet you're right. I look forward to it. Uh, let's see. Oh, I see some of the names. Oksana's on here. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Oksana. Uh, if you're one of those Facebook users, uh, hello. And here's another special guest Facebook user uh, in the UK, Lou Rolls. Aha, uh -huh, I'll translate for the Americans uh, and Canadians, perhaps. Toilet paper uh, seems to have calmed down a bit. Few. That is a few. And by the way, there's only so much people can hoard, right? How much toilet paper do you really need? And the consumption has not gone the same as the sale. So eventually the stuff will be back in stock because there's only so much of this stuff we can use. It's not even related to the – it's one thing if you're like, hey, I need uh, a ventilator you know, as a hospital. That consumption and that usage is off the charts different, but not toilet paper for goodness sake. And by the way, I'm not hoarding stuff, but I've bought more food. I've bought you know, some stocks of dry goods and some frozen goods and other things just 
because it's like, hey, if I can't actually leave the house for whatever reason for 30 days or 60 days, I don't want my kids to go without food. So there's some of that happening. But even that, it's ultimately the consumption can't keep up with the short-term demand. I hope that makes sense to folks. Let's see what this one, this Facebook user says, we've seen disgusting ways here, food thrown away, hangouts because it's not been eaten. That's very true. Um, just think about all those restaurant suppliers who had massive amounts of food going in every day to restaurants, fresh fruit, vegetables, all that stuff. Well, man, they, there's no way they can replace that demand. It's impossible. And so now the farmers, the, the distributors, the warehouses, the drivers, they all have to figure out how to pivot. How are they going to survive? What are they going to do? And honestly, nobody can eat all that food because we're actually, we've all lowered our consumption in that category. Hey, and here's a special uh, special guest Facebook user. Uh, that's an achievement. Uh, I don't know what the achievement is, but uh, I'll assume it was uh, my ability getting toilet paper. It is an achievement. <coughs> that sounds like Lisa's on board. Uh, hello, Lisa. You may be one of those anonymous users. Dennis says, uh, we have local manufacturing in the U.S. Um, and for example, Portland, Oregon, we produce toilet paper, so it should be temporary. Yeah, 99% of the toilet paper used in America, uh, and I don't know about other countries, certainly Canada, but if you got trees, you can make your own toilet paper, and it's cheaper, and it's you know high quality and so forth. So all of that will resolve itself for sure. And, oh, here's all the anonymous ones coming forward. Facebook user says, Kara, Oksana, et cetera. I'm glad to see everybody uh, online, and thanks for joining. Uh, look at this. Uh, Dennis says, how long will it take for the economy to recover? Boy, Dennis, that is the multi-trillion dollar question, honestly. And the answer is, I certainly don't know. And any of these uh, talking head pundits, politician, narcissists, knock your head in the, the wall fools, they don't know either. But what we do know is this. We can only do a certain amount of the shutdown. The shutdown only works for a short time period. And if it doesn't work, in other words, if, if we can't slap the slow, we have to eventually go back to work. And then people go, oh, you're going to put finances ahead of you know uh, people's health. And it's like, at some point, people will not be able to eat because the finances won't flow through the system. L literally, this is this is how you know worlds can collapse. And I, I'm not trying to talk about you know crazy stuff here, but you know the fall of Rome was not caused by you know a, a virus per se, but that systemic failure of an entire you know civilization happened because a series of things, a house of cards, happened. And so we're not nearly in that kind of situation today, but we're in a painful one. And I would say that the short-term effect will be, you know, six months of very, very significant changes. Um, I still would be ordering inventory if I can afford it. I would still lean into taking care of customers and solving problems. Uh, but I would probably hold up if I'm in high fashion or, you know, bejeweled uh, avocado slicers that we got to be prudent with that, those investments, but yes, there's still opportunity. I don't know when it'll recover, but there will also be far reaching. And I'm talking about multi-reaching, uh, multi-year reaching impacts on things like stock market or maybe real estate and, and so on and so forth. And, and even devastating consequences for things like cruise lines. And everybody goes, Oh, I don't take cruises. I don't care. Uh, you know, in the United States alone, the cruise line industry has 850,000 people uh, working for that industry. 
the state of Florida alone gets $8 billion a year of economic activity. If cruises stay closed because, you know, everybody decides they, they can't be around other humans, that's, that's a big problem. So there's big, there's big problems coming, big icebergs ahead, so to speak, on that. And I, I honestly don't know uh, the answer how long it'll take, but it'll take some time. That said, there's opportunity, not just for sustenance or survival, but opportunities to thrive. And I, I don't want anybody to forget that. There are plenty of opportunities. And it's those of us who are think, you know, we're thoughtful, we're thinking about the situation, we're playing chess, many moves ahead. We know what's coming. We're, we're realists, we're pragmatic about the, the realities of what's happening. That's when we have the opportunity to, to step back, make good decisions now, and prepare ourselves for the future. That's the point. That's why I'm doing all this. That's why I'm talking about it. Facebook user says, hi, Steve. And I say, hi, hello, Beck. Um, and we got, an, oh, we got Kara running in there, it looks like, uh, or at least somebody talking to her. Uh, Facebook user says, I've already ordered my 20 and some 2021 stock. That's uh, amazing. Oh, that's Kara. Hello, Kara. Uh, if you can do that, that's wonderful. Uh, we, we don't have enough capital to order that far ahead. I'll be honest with you. Uh, if we look at the amount of, uh, that, that would be just a, a really impossible thing for us to do. But when you know it's going to sell and when you can make the commitments, we do forecasting out for a long time and make sure that we make commitments to factories. But the longer you can make those commitments, the better off you'll be. Uh, oh, and this is Kara coming back. She says, just a blip, started my business after the last recession. Um, by the way, Kara, I started one of my businesses in 1990, roughly 1990, when it was in the heart of a recession. And it was, we were just too dumb to know it was a recession. But if we listened to the news, we would have never started anything because we'd be too scared at home in the basement with all the cats. That's my, my board of directors, a bunch of cats. Uh, not really. Um, but you know, if you just listen to the news, you listen to the talking heads, you just stay in fear. So I don't bother to listen. Uh, it is going to be just a, a blip. Uh, Kimberly says it feels like holidays are canceled. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, I think there's a lot of this. That's true. And it will change how these, these holidays and social gatherings are um, dealt with in the future. So listen, I, I thank everybody for playing along and, and paying, you know, attention to this stuff. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do what I can to uh, be a voice of reason. Uh, again, I, I, I just love entrepreneurs. I, I love awesomers in particular. You know, entrepreneurs of any stripe, I'm always there. I try to be helpful. I am at your service. But when you're awesomer, that's when we go, you know, higher and higher and higher. I love this. Kara comes back and says, uh, uh, her mom started a business in 1987. By the way, my very first business started in 88 and it was terrible. And all I could think of is how come I didn't get in on the good days, right? Uh, the I was only 18 at the time, by the way. And everybody's talking about Reaganomics and how everybody got rich in the 80s. And I'm like, I missed all that. And then we saw, you know, the, the recession and we're like, is it ever going to come back? And then the 90s were even better. And then the dot-com busted and I went through that. So I've seen all of these things firsthand. Um, and we've experienced them at various levels, everything from the dot com to the, the housing crisis to this and that. And this one is newer and is bigger and it's weirder. But uh, man, oh, man, it is uh, it, it's something we'll get through. Kimberly, thank you. I, uh, I always appreciate you, your spirit of gratitude. That, by the way, is a great way to start the day, everybody. Everybody should have a, a morning routine that they believe in and that they do. And I guarantee your life will change. You do a morning routine the same for 30 days, your life will change. No matter what that routine is, 
with the exception of sleeping. That, that may not be an adequate routine, but um, you can, you know, read the Miracle Morning or there's a million people who have morning routines you can kind of learn from. But that is a big deal. And I know Kimberly starts with gratitude, and I certainly do as well. I thank you for that reminder. Uh, Dennis says, uh, I think you're awesome as well. Well, uh, that is a paid announcement, everybody. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Dennis. I totally agree. I am awesomer, but I think you are too. And Kara, uh, you're very welcome, and I appreciate your time as well. So listen, thanks, everybody. Uh, we're going to jump out for now, but this is, uh, if you want to see a recording of this, and we talked about a lot of stuff, some new stuff, some of the scheduling, some of the things I think about this whole thing. Um, and it's it's something that we're going to do from time to time. And Facebook user says, absolutely. Many thanks to you, Steve. And with the little heart uh, smiley face, which is one of my favorites, and the namaste hands, uh, which I like. Yeah. So see what I'm doing there? I'm uh, bringing those emojis to life. So thanks, one and all. If you want to see that broadcast uh, or the recording of this, as I mentioned a moment ago, awesomers.com slash 178, awesomers.com slash 178. And all you need to, to do is subscribe. Hey, by the way, you can go leave a review. I'm not ashamed to say I deserve five-star reviews, baby. Five stars. And But even if you don't give five stars, just tell me what you hate and then stop listening and I'll cry in the shower at night. Um, all right. That's it, uh, everybody. Thank you one and all. And I appreciate it. And we'll try to do this again. Plus, we're, we may do some some uh, live games. I don't know if this is the right format for it or we'll keep using the, the Zoom. But when we played games the other day, it was really, really fun. And this is my point. We hustle, we grind, we do what we got to do, but we also have fun. And look at this Facebook user gives five shooting stars, everybody, five shooting stars. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Awesomers.com slash 178, and you'll see this online soon.